got a letter from the government the other day. I opened and read it and said they were suckers. They were. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody. EOE Radio. And TV. Yes. Hey, what, what great song to open up the show with? Um, Some public enemy. Because I think after today, I'm going to be more the enemy to the public than anything else. But uh, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out how what's going to happen. Uh, so like I said, welcome everybody to EOE Radio. I am the man you love the most, hate the most at the exact same time. That, really? You, you can throw that. Okay, thank you. Jeff Chino is in the building. And I am your host with the most effective host. Yeah, your host. Put a smile on your face. I, I, I do have a smile on my face right now. I, I am smiling. Okay, so welcome everybody to, like I said, EOE Radio. Um, this tonight topic is, oh God, I, I, I've been praying for this day for a long time. Um, I remember this past November, um, when Trump, uh, well, when the election was going on um, this past November, uh, uh, our guest we want to have one tonight. He asked me this question. He asked me this question. He was like, "So, hey, what you gonna do if if Trump wins?" I was like, I was like, this was the first time in my life I contemplated apologizing to a female. Why? Why would a female have to do well, with the response? Well, well, because the last person I was dating, she lives in Canada. So I was going to try to apologize to her and if I can move to Canada. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. <clears throat> so you was going to flee the country? I was going to flee the country. You just didn't want to be Yeah. <laughs> I was going to flee the country. I go to the Philippines, one of the two. I could take up. So I've been too big for the Philippines. I've been huge. I've been huge in the Philippines. Yeah. Well, I'm intrigued to hear what he would have done if Trump would have won the election and ran, uh, got a second term. Um, I don't know what I would have done. I, I don't know. I probably would have left the country too, more than likely. But I'm feeling right now that we probably. They'll probably need to leave the country because of everything that is, you know, happening, even with him out being um, our president. So let's go ahead and hear what our special guest has to say. We'll go ahead and ask him that question. Go ahead and welcome him onto the show. Boy Simpson. Um, and this is my brother. This is my brother right here. Hey, Mr. Simpson. What's going today? What's up, Half? Hey, Miss J. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Absolutely. So I have to ask you. Okay. So that question that you asked Hef, what would you have done if Trump had been reelected? 
Yeah, so I got family in St. Vincent and Barcelona and Liberia. So I got options. <laughs> Is you know, that serious? Yeah, so I got options. We was, <laughs> me and Whitey was already calling family like, yo, yo, we about to send down some kids. Break open the oh. spare bedroom. We good. So, no, nah, I got options. And, uh, oh. and that was uh, that was serious conversation for us. Like, yo, you know, where we going? Barcelona? We going to St. Vincent? What's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so how do you feel now? Like, do you still, I still say, I think we still need to leave. I don't feel safe. Yeah. I, um, I mean, you know, all joking aside, I, I, I'm nervous. I'm really, really, I'm really, really nervous. Um, I think it's about to get, it's about to get worse. Like for real, I think it's going to get hot. There's a uh, there's a sister named um, Carol Anderson. She wrote a book called White Rage, and what she explains is that every time black folks, people of color, seem to make some progress, there's this huge backlash. So we think we make progress with an Obama, and we get a Trump. We think we make progress by bouncing this dude. Something's about to come, like for real. So I'm kind of worried. I think what we saw, you know, on the Capitol last week is an indication of uh, a coming storm. So I'm, I'm a little concerned. I think it's going to get a lot worse, like for real. Yeah. So what I am hearing, um, what I heard today that I had not previously heard before that has me excessively nervous is that when indiv individuals um, act as, as if they were part in Antifa and went into the Capitol building and stole laptops that had all kinds of information on these laptops. And now there are so many elected officials that are worried and they're trying to get Trump to um, issue martial law before his exit uh, because of that, to try to retrieve these laptops or whatever. So there's this video on Facebook now, this uh, gentleman, he's supposed to be a Southern pastor and he is a vet. He has all these connections with different um, government department heads and this information allegedly is coming from them. And so they said that uh, within the next couple of days, this is what we are supposed to expect. I don't know how truthful it is, but it's unnerving and unsettling. Oh my goodness, what if there's some validity to this? That makes me nervous. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know, I've, I've heard some of that as well. And I'm not, I'm not nervous. To that extent, because I think um, there's a lot of protections in place uh, to thwart some of that. Uh, I'm more concerned about some of the legislative moves that are being made that are going to have long-lasting impact on what we can do. I think I think some of the drama, you know, the the, the violence that's going on, that's going to be abated. I think stuff like martial law, um, I'm not in fear of. But while we're looking over here, other things are being done over here for example right now you know uh trump is on this killing spree we got executions going on you know because he reinstituted federal executions that have been on a pause for like the last 17 years and so we talking about this and he killing folk as we speak exactly right now he has directed his justice department to uh look at the civil rights act and look at what's called the disparate impact clause the disparate impact clause is the clause that says when we talk about disparate impact, we're talking about a disproportionate effect on a certain group. And the way you've been able to prove discrimination and the way we've been able to get a lot of gains through civil rights 
is to say that certain activities and certain behaviors have a disparate impact on black people, on people of color, right? Okay. Directed his justice department right now to remove that clause. When you remove that clause, you take the teeth out of any kind of enforcement. So while we worried about all this other kind of drama, these are the real long lasting pernicious impacts that we really need to be having our eye on. This is what's going on right now. You understand? So yeah, all I right. think all this other stuff is a concern, but that's just, you gotta see through the fog and like really pay attention to like uh, Joe Scarborough says the signal, like the signal. And that's really, he's doing some real long-term damage. You heard about how Georgia, I'm here in, in Georgia, in Georgia, how we flipped the Senate, whatever. Well, our legislators started meeting yesterday to change the rules on how people can be eligible to vote. This whole absentee ballot stuff, now they want people to upload copies of their driver's license into portals so that you can be confirmed. Yeah, so this is going on. They, they started meeting yesterday. Exactly. Oh. Raphael just got elected last week. The legislator met yesterday and started putting these changes in fact. So these are the concerns I'm worried about. While we're mad about all this other <laughs> stuff, this is what Trump and his cohort are doing right beneath our noses. Wow. And see, this information isn't even, I have not heard any of this. And I'm, I mean, so, you know, and I have a, a widespread, you know, variety of individuals that I, you know, converse with and they haven't even mentioned it. So it's like, how do we find all this information? How do we stay informed? Like what platforms do you think people should be watching to make sure the clear news, the, you know what I mean? They're falling, yeah, their masks yeah. and everything. Like, so where do you think people should be, um, you know, getting their information from? Because I, yeah, have not heard anything close to yeah. that. Like, so for, for me, um, like you got social media and there's a, just like a top level of information that you're going to get in social media. Um, but we really do have to go to some old school stuff where I said, if you ain't reading, you ain't ready. Like we need to hit newspapers up, like for real. Um, you know, uh, I know I, I know conservatives hate it, but stuff like Washington Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, which is a conservative publication. If you want to know the real deal, and it's not always on front page, right? You got to scroll down a little bit, but this is where you'll find out what's going on. Stuff like consent decrees are a big deal. Consent decrees are a huge deal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we just finished uh, a census last year. That's going to have major impacts on the way in which districts are drawn in your state and in my state. We just finished the census. So your, your state house is gonna decide uh, how much power you get and you get half. These are major things, but again, you gotta look at those, like those established blue blood publications because if you if you go into, you know, those page two, page three, that's where the real information is. The front page, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, right? That's where the drama, that's what we like. And that's the stuff that makes social media, that's the fun stuff, right? It's page two, page three, where the real work is. And you gotta read that kind of stuff because that's where you're gonna find out like really where our, our, our rights are being abridged. And it's scary, like real talk, it's scary. Real talk is scary. Wow. 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 Well. Okay, Miss J, you you made you, you made a comment about you know Trump and martial law. Hmm. Should Trump still be making any type of any type of decisions now? Should his decision nah, capabilities man. be nah, limited? Nah. be squashed right now. No, I don't think that he should. But you know, a friend has sent me this video. I watched a portion of it. I thought it was old news. She was like, "No, you need to watch the whole video." So I continued to watch, and when I uh, contacted her back. I said, well, if he did enforce martial law, couldn't Biden just once he gets into office end it? Like, so it will only be for a short duration. So, you know what I mean? But I don't know. 
you know, yeah. if, if it's set in place for a certain period of time, does it roll over into the next leadership? I, I have no idea, but um, I don't trust him. So, you know, if, if, if information is, but I don't put nothing past him. He's, you know, he's nervous now, so. He is, and, and the one thing though that I, um, that I take solace in is the fact that uh, a lot of the, the military brass, the top line military brass, like those are lifelong dudes that really believe in what they're doing and they're not gonna follow illegal or unethical orders in that regard because they really don't wanna turn, they really don't wanna turn on citizens, they really don't. And so for Trump to be able to enforce that, he's gonna have to have compliance on their behalf. And with less than a week and a half left, they're not trying to do that. They, they really are not trying to do that. And right. as much as, you know, he's the commander in chief or whatever, he got no love right now. He is an isolated dude. That's why he crazy. But he ain't got no love right now. I mean, he he by himself in that mansion walking around trying to find friends. And I think Melania trying to like, yo, check her options out. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm joking, obviously, but he I, I just don't <laughs> think that right now our military would be um, they're they not going down. They're not down for that. They're they not down for that. Not not the real brass, because. The repercussions would be serious for that. You know what I'm saying? And he's he's got like less than a week and a half. Just he may want to do that, but they not they not going for that. They not going for that. It's that other stuff that he's trying to get done. You know, again, last minute consent decrees. You know, he's gonna have a sling of parts that he's trying to get out the door. I mean, it's a lot of that kind of stuff that he can do through executive action. That's the kind of stuff you know that um, we should be, I think, really worried about. And these people who all in their feelings because they still think he won the election. Them the jokers, you gotta control yourself. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I, and I, I, I've been trying to wrap my head around this part of these people who actually believe he won the election. Sure. I'm like, where, what, what Kool Aid are you drinking? You know, where, what are you eating to say, oh, Trump won the election? I'm, I'm how. How can, why are people disenfranchised right now? You know, could, could you explain that? So we got a society, we love our celebrities, right? We love our celebrities. And what they say lends credence to us, right? I mean, let's be, let's be real. You know, um, Jordan wins games and we buy his shoes. I, I, got, I got a pair of J's on right now, right? You know what I'm saying? This is what we do, right? I got the Oreos on right now, right? Um, um, Kim Kardashian, you know, becomes famous and, you know, she's got her line of like, you know, firmware, fitware, whatever, right? So celebrity endorsements mean something. When Trump came on the scene, he came on as a celebrity, right? So he could tell people he a billionaire, people bought it. He could tell people he owned this, that, and the other, people bought it. So the fact that he has celebrity status he was able to build a cohort of folks that followed him and believe him in every way. And that stuff, that stuff just built momentum over the last five years, man. He comes out and says Obama wasn't born here, people buy it. You know what I'm saying? Even when all the proof is elsewhere, people buy it because he's a celebrity endorser with this stuff. That's, that's the power of a Trump. It's about the brand. And people want to believe that. People want to believe that my five foot seven and these joints can dunk somehow. Nah, <laughs> right? People want to believe. And so, so it, it makes absolute sense for him to just come up. To, he said it. I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue right out front of Trump. I remember that. And he just said, right, because he understands the power of celebrity and people believe that stuff, right? So when he comes out and says, 
we we won the election. People believe it. This is who he is. Like people are so enamored by that brand and are so compelled uh, by his ethos that people just they just run with it. It's crazy because the same arguments he's making in public, he's not making those arguments in court. That's why they keep getting dismissed and losing like 50 some cases because he knows he can't take those arguments to court. But on in public, on stage, people love that stuff. They buy it. And that's what got people all turned up. So they believe it. Like they literally believe everything that comes out of this man's mouth. And so it's kind of hard to disavow people of those notions. It, yeah. How, how you gonna disavow about them? Other they believe it, man. The power of celebrity is like intense, man. They just believe. Wow. And so that's what's scary because when you listen to people who stormed the Capitol, like when you listen, aside from all the just like how egregious it was or whatever, but when you actually listen to people, like people were in their feelings, like hurt, and you heard people desperately say, you know, what else can we do? You know, we have no other options. The courts won't listen to us. The legislators, right? They have a sense of desperation. Dr. King said riots are the language of the unheard. Riots are the language of the unheard, right? People with no voice, they riot. And so what you saw there were people who felt like they had no voice. They felt like their the, the person who was leading them had convinced them that they had been wronged and they have grievances and nobody would hear them. So you break stuff up, you destroy stuff, you try to rage and frustration. What's interesting is we watch people get shot in the back seven times. We voice our frustration and they act like we from some other place. It's the same pain. Oh, yeah. It's the frustration of not being heard. You understand? The same mm -hmm. frustration. And now that the shoe is on the other foot, they like, wow. You know what I mean? But it's the same frustration. When you feel like you are not being heard, all of a sudden you got no way to express yourself. Of course you're going to break some stuff up. Of course. The problem is I think we have a righteous indignation and I think they own some other stuff. That's just me. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you know something? I, I have to be fair. I have to be fair. Be fair. Um, initially, I, I, I was trying to get a conservative on on the show, but um, just like a lot of conservatives, they don't want to talk to me right now um, um, about Trump <laughs> and the, the past few years. I, I don't know why. I, I I'm just saying, it's just, just appear on the show. You know, you, you wanted to talk all year. Let's talk at the end of the year. Let's talk right now. But Trump and his presidency for the last four years, how do you feel he did in his last four years? So ask Trump, that question. Trump, Trump did, if I'm a conservative, like real talk, Trump did great. He did great. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He did exactly. Trump is not the problem. He's a symptom of the problem. Trump did exactly what he was That's supposed true. to do. He came in, he appointed Jeff Sessions uh, to, to be attorney general. And the first thing they started doing was dismantling uh, consent decrees. He did exactly what they, for people who don't know, for let's look at Ferguson, for example, right? Michael Brown gets shot, laid dead in the street. Darren Wilson gets off, walks away. Ferguson blows up. Eric Holder goes in and does a study on Ferguson and says, uh, he's able to demonstrate where they have a history of abusing black people, you know, for court fees, um, you know, wrongly incarcerated, all this stuff. He proves it. He, the Justice Department sues them. They enter into um, a consent decree which says, OK, we're going to clean up our act. We're going to do better. Just, you know, don't impose these sanctions on us. A consent decree. The first thing Trump does when he comes in there, Jeff Session goes and says, no, nope, y'all free to do what you want to do. We are throwing away consent decrees. That's exactly what he was supposed to do. That's why they put him in office. 
You understand? And, and, and so while we sit here getting mad at his, you know, his orange hair or whatever, he quietly doing the business of conservatives. Hey. What they asked. They want tax breaks. He gave it to him. He gave it to him. I mean, come on, man. He, he did exactly what. So if I'm a conservative, I'm loving Trump because he gave them everything. He amplified their voices. He gave them a platform for their grievances. He did exactly that. For yeah. us, well, for me, because I can't speak for y'all, but for me, uh, not a part of that conservative bench, I saw, I see my rights being eroded. Like, I understand what's going on, and it's frustrating, absolutely. So to me, he was absolutely terrible. Um, we're no better off in terms of our standing around the world. As I mentioned earlier, I got family all over the world. They look at me like I'm an idiot. Why are you still there? Who y'all president? So he's hurt our standing around the world, right? He's made us more vulnerable because we have so many enemies around the world that now we can't go to allies, and that's bad for national security, right? Yes. He, to me, he's been a disaster. Mm -hmm. Oh, but he I has. Vote for him. He, oh, I didn't vote for him either. No, no, I, I did not. <laughs> and I do not have any friends that did. And if I find out that someone did, I'm not <laughs> my friend anymore. I'm just saying. Um, no, 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 he, he didn't get voted for. Um, I just, he didn't have the qualifications. Like, what qualified him to be president? He's a celebrity. Um, you know, a lot of people try to throw that BS like, oh, you know, I voted for Trump because he's a businessman and it's a business running a country. You have to think about it like a job and blah, blah, but just and they sad now that they did like they feel those individuals feel really silly and simple for that decision. I'm like that alone is why you decided to um, he gambles with money. He was he was into gambling money. So you want him to take a gamble on, you know, the country yeah. that just didn't make yeah. sense to me. But yeah, people went for it. And um, I think the majority of individuals that voted for Trump, I think they feel stupid. Like I can say that feel stupid. Um, but then you have those prideful ones. But do they know? really? I think that I think there Do are really feel stupid. How could you not? How how could you not? Seriously, like this this last election, no, this last election, white women voted 55 percent of white women voted for him. So I'm just I'm not again fifty five percent of white women voted for him. What was the age range? Are they of them stupid? White women? Are they still? What age range was the white women? No, I'm pretty I, sure they I, were in his age bracket. Older white women born in his generation that, you know, he has some sort of connection with. I don't think it was the younger generation. I think it was predominantly older white women. With money. Know. Well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we saw that. Yeah, you're right. It was it was an older group uh, with money. And, and that money piece is huge. That money piece is huge because mm -hmm. like here in Georgia, since the general election and in our runoff, we had um, most of the people who voted for the Republican side of the ticket made $80,000 or more. So it was the wealthy people really who are supporting this whole Trump agenda. We need to understand that it. it's an older group and the wealthy people, which is why it becomes important because that demographic, that older white group is getting smaller and smaller. So now they have to play a lot of tricks with the electorate so that they can maintain power. Mm -hmm. This is a big deal. This is why the judges, when you talk about what, what people love about Trump, what Mitch McConnell did over the last four years with 200 some federal, uh, district, federal and district court appointees, as well as three Supreme Court picks, that's major, like that's major. Right. Because they realize he says it. We have secured the judiciary center right 
for a generation. That's big because that determines whether you can vote and how you can vote. When we start talking about voter suppression and IDs and all this other kind of stuff, understand that. They have to do that stuff because it's older white women, right? People got money. Their portion of the electorate is shrinking. The country is getting more and more diverse. The only way they can control is to make sure that they rig, literally like rig the election. So you're absolutely right. It was that group. But they're the ones who are, you know, they got the eye on the ball. And this is, I'm telling you, you got to pay attention to that stuff. Checkers and chess. We playing checkers, they playing chess. We got it. We got to switch the game. Right. Definitely have a point. They're getting nervous. They're in a, um, they're in a state of panic. Absolutely. You know, because um, not only is that generation, you know, getting smaller and smaller because they're getting older in age. So, you know, mm-hmm. they're no longer with us. Um, mm-hmm. But also there's a shift in um, race because yep. the cultures are blending. So, Absolutely. You know, um, black and brown are not going to be a minority soon. And they see that shift. So they're nervous all around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. When someone is nervous, you know, that's a scary thing. Yeah. 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 It's a very scary thing. My mother used to always um, tell us, I can't remember the exact saying. It'll probably come to me before the end of the show. But basically what it meant was when we were younger, and there was always this quiet meek kid in the mm. background, you know. My mom used to always say, don't mess with that kid, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know the the quiet ones. They have all of that in them, and then it's kind of like that fight or flight kicks in. You know what I mean? And remember that show uh, snapped. What is it? Snap? That show snapped. Yes. You know all mm-hmm. those meek demure housewives, and all of a sudden they don't mm-hmm. cut their husbands and let them away. Like whoa, what? Are you? Yeah, yeah. I mean you. Those be the ones that you never know. They just snap on you like, yo, what happened here? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and this is what's happening. And, and, and you have to be careful. What, what I am really concerned about is because they are so scared that they, mm-hmm. they are rigging things in a way that's going to just like solidify their power, like big time. Yes. And, and we're not paying attention to it. We're not paying yes. attention to it. Um, before Trump got in, 2013, there's a, a Supreme Court case called Shelby v. Holder, right? Mm-hmm. And what she, you hear people talk about, oh, we're losing, you know, our right to vote, whatever. It's not that we're losing the right to vote, it, but it was an attack on the Civil Rights Act, I mean, the Voting Rights Act. And there's a portion of the Voting Rights Act that was called preclearance. And what that said was that any states, if they wanted to change the rules, especially states that had a history of mistreating black people when it came to voting, if they wanted to change the rules of voting, they had to get preclearance from the government to do that, right? 2013. Okay. Eric Holder and Shelby, Shelby County, uh, Alabama, they go to court, a 5-4 decision, 5-4 decision, they said that you no longer have to go through pre-clearance, meaning if you wanna change the rules for, to voting, you no longer have to get clearance for it. That next year, voter ID, exact match, loser. The next year is when all this stuff came into place. So we are so busy looking over here, meanwhile they are quietly, that's when it all happened. So when they strip the preclearance, and so this is what's happening right now. I talked about my legislator meeting yesterday to start changing the rules. This is what happens. When you corner them and they realize out of desperation that they're getting smaller and smaller, they go to work. They go to work. And this is why we got to read those papers. We got to know what they're doing. We got to pay attention to our little. This is, this is how all this stuff came to be. You understand? This is how all this stuff came to be. Yeah. Shelby V. Holder. That's what introduced all this voter suppression stuff because it was all illegal up until 2013. Wow. 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 <clears throat> you said people are um, 
you know, paying attention. I think people are, are, are paying attention, but they are not paying attention to the right things. People notice because I hear a lot of people say, what is going on with these white women, older white women, Karens, just coming <laughs> out of the, the blue? What, Karens are nervous. That's what's going on. Karens have Absolutely. never been nervous before. So that's why Karen right. feel like she could come outside and call you the N-word right. at the grocery store and she protected. Karen knows something. See, people think that Karen is just bold because of Trump and Trump is, you know, crazy. No, Karen is bold because she she was passed on some information about some things that's going on. And so she's, you know, she feels safe and secure. So she's like, I can go out here and do this. Like, that's what people need to be paying attention to. Why is Karen so comfortable coming out now all of a sudden right. doing right. and saying these things, you know? So, yeah. Like, right paying attention more to the actions and not what's underneath. Like, I want to know the motive behind it. I Forget yeah. the action. Forget she was yeah. bold enough to do it. What made her bold enough to do that? Is so, what I'm trying Karen, to find out. Karen's are dangerous. Like, Karen's are mad dangerous. Like, <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about, uh, like, right now, every, you know, we have a name, the Karen that comes from, you know, but, you know, I'm thinking about, like, Emmett Till, 1954, 1955, he's 14 years old, you know, and you 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 got a white woman in the store who claims that you know he's trying to accost her. It's a Karen, and there's, there's a book by it's called White Fragility, right? And mm -hmm. what she talks about in that book, she talks about the 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 danger of a white woman's tears and how it galvanizes their entire community mm -hmm. to come to their defense. So what happened to Emmett Till when when she when she screams that he's trying to accost her? It galvanizes all the white people in Money, Mississippi, and lo and behold, Roy Bryan and J and J W Milam go and lynch that boy. Uh, but this is always what happens. This is all Ida, Ida B. Wells documented this. I mean, this is always what happens when white women start to scream that something has gone wrong, especially if it involves black people. The entire community laws get changed on their behalf. So I'm not surprised that the brothers in you know Central Park bird watching a white woman doing bad things with her dog. And she can somehow, you know, raise her voice, sound alarm, and get the weight of the state to come to her defense. That's a Karen. That's that's something happening forever. This is a movie that came out in 1915 called oh. Birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation, right? And I remember that, yeah. little sister, of the, little sister of the Camerons, you know, she supposedly was being uh, accosted and raped by Gusta Mulatto, and the whole Ku Klux Klan came and destroyed the whole town in defense of this one Karen. And that was a mythical figure from 1915. This is real stuff. This is real mm -hmm. stuff. So I'm not surprised. Then you got the sister, the, the sister in Soho, she's the Karen in Soho, claiming the little boy stole her cell phone. She left it in the oh, Uber, oh, right? Uh, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Right, but exactly. But look at that situation. She can say that and the manager of the facility is like, going to move on her behalf. Yes. Right? This, thing, this is what Karens can do. This is the power of a Karen. And so that's the, you're right, Ms. J. That's dangerous. Ms. Karen, Karens have so much power because they have been set up on a pedestal. And so when they are aggrieved or infirmed, there is just this mindset on the part of their white men to come and save them. And if it means laying waste to half and me, that's what they will do on their behalf. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're absolutely right, Miss J. Oh my God. Karen's are like, they might be the most dangerous thing we got going right now. Like for real. Like for real. 55% oh, yeah. of the vote. That's all I got to say. 55%. They came out to say, hey, we're going to stay Karen's for a little bit. That's crazy. And claiming they woke. And woke. 
yeah. Claiming they won't. All right, whatever, whatever, man. Yeah. But we, we got to watch them, though, like, for real. We got to watch them. We got to be careful with them um, because they represent a real and pre- present danger, right? Um, and their their concerns get amplified. And it's funny because – it's not funny. It's sad because a sister can be in legitimate distress and, you know, nobody cares. You can go into Breonna Taylor's house and shoot her dead and we can't even get an indictment. But just say mm. – just let a Karen just say that you looked at her the wrong way and the police come – and deadly force at you. You know what I'm saying? That just shows the disproportionate value that we have on black women and white women. And so they wonder why we have to argue that black lives matter. They wonder why we have to make that argument. Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor gets none of the same kind of protections um, that, that, that your girl, what's her name? Uh, Corella, what's her name from uh, Soho? What's, what's the uh, name? Maya Ponsetta. Yeah, Maya Ponsetta. Yeah, Breonna Taylor gets none of the same kind of concern from the larger community that Pacetta gives them. None of it. None of it. And it's a clear indication of whose value, right? Whose value? And it's frustrating. It is. It, it is very frustrating. But it's been like that for Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Because do you remember, um, it, I don't even remember when I was younger, we used to have the, the joke when um, someone needed to call the police and mm. we were concerned that the police was going to take forever. We used to always joke and say, just tell them a white woman is being beat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be here mm-hmm. 2.5 seconds. Mm-hmm. And we had some instances in a neighborhood that we grew up in, and it's so unfortunate where it would be something going on and one of the parents would have to call and say something was happening to a white woman to get the police to come in a timely fashion. I, I've watched at least three adults in my neighborhood make those phone calls to get the police to us because they're like, okay, our children are injured. We need the police here now. And it's sad. And it's sad because every time the police was there like 2.5 seconds mm-hmm, mm-hmm. until they got wind, okay, there's no white women in this neighborhood. <laughs> you know, yeah. they kind of call They got hit to it. They got hit to it like, well, these yeah. Yeah. black folks, yeah. you know, but yeah, they, we have to utilize that, you know, a couple of times. And it's really sad, but yeah. For many, many, many years. So, and even black men, you would hear, wasn't it? And um, it was in a movie, like one of the Wayans movies. They had even made a joke in reference, say, just say a white woman's being beat, like, you know, as, as a joke. But no, that's real talk, real serious. You will get assistance if you because are that's value. stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's whose value. Yeah. And, and obviously, that has roots all the way back into, you know, uh, antebellum times because, you know, the most valuable asset. Um, at least theoretically on the plantation was the white woman, right? Although, you know, in, in, in true economic terms, it was, you know, black women because the they black, were birthing, you know, yeah. more labor, more hand, more, more hands for labor. Um, field hands were doing everything. But what was set up theoretically in terms of value was white women, always a value, this pristine notion of white women. Um, and that's like one of those, it's been institutionalized, that kind of reverence for white women has been institutionalized. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, means that Hef and I have to walk carefully because, you know, if you walk down a certain street or whatever and a white woman sees you and she clutches your purse, you know, all of a sudden they never, so we have learned as a way to manage ourselves, we have learned, you know, steer clear of them, you know, make sure that, you know, uh, that that all your intentions are are obvious or whatever. Not not because they're due any kind of respect, but just out of self-defense. Just out of self-defense, yeah. And, and that's had, that has its roots in antebellum experience here. We know that, right? You get caught looking the wrong way at somebody, and that's your life. Real talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Remember, 
was it this this past year where where a black guy was just walking to a well a coffee shop and the, and the white lady called and said I didn't like the way he looked at me while he was walking, right? And the police came out like why why you look at her that way? I wish I wish what? I, I I don't know how I would handle that situation <laughs> if a woman a white woman would have called the police on me and said I, I didn't like the way he looked at me. You know how you would have handled it. You'd have to call me for some bail money because you'd have been locked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know how you would have handled it. Has, you know. You already know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah that's the truth. Yeah. Bro, guess what happened? Uh -oh. They got me. They got me. Uh -oh. I know. That's not what they but already the good thing about this, The good thing about this, we talk about, you know, Trump's last four years, is a lot of these conversations have come above ground. Like, we've always had these in our communities, but a lot of these conversations are now taking place above ground. And that's been a beautiful thing because Trump's racism has been on full display that we've had no choice but to respond in full display. So that's been a beautiful thing about the Trump experience. All the stuff we knew about racism and its, you know, its, its pervasiveness in our culture, he's the embodiment of that. And because of his behavior, we've been able to openly talk at it, document it and point to it like, okay, here go proof positive that this stuff is real. So that's been like, it's really helped the dialogue for people who are willing to go there. A lot of people scared of the conversation, but it's but for people who are willing to go there, Trump has been a godsend because we've been able to, you know, use him as exhibit A for all the problems uh, that racism manifests, all the ways that racism manifests itself. Mm -hmm. We do have to thank Trump, honestly. We do have something that we have to thank Trump for, and I never thought uh -oh. I I see uh -oh. y'all faces. Here we go. Here we go. Just hear me out. I'm serious. If people need to think about this, we honestly do have to thank him because had it not been for him, we would have not known that them friends we have were racist without him. A yeah. lot of people came out of the... It's people. I'm like... Facts. Facts. Woo, honey. We have to thank him for that because people show Facts. their true colors and they just did not become racist. They have been racist and the wool have been pulled over our eyes for so long. So I thank Trump. I thank you for allowing the racists to be them and show their true colors because we need to know. So now I can walk down the street and I know now on my block who is with me and who really is not like anywhere I go. And so we I thank him for that. You know? No, I, I totally agree with you, and I think I think that's that's I, I think that's spot on. The Republican Party didn't just—I mean, you have some people who are moving on because they mad at what Trump represents, but they didn't just all of a sudden become this iteration. They've been voting this way for years. You understand? You go back and and in our lifetime, uh, half you go back and look at Reagan's philosophies and his theories. It ain't materially different from what Trump was about, but they were so smooth no. with. They were so cool and congenial with it. Let's be real. You know what I'm saying? Or we go have a beer with Bush. You know what I'm saying? That was that kind of thing. And at the same time, Dick Cheney is sitting there making sure, right, that certain things were at the same time. So you're right. This is this has enabled a lot of people who we thought was cool and quiet and just went along. This enabled them to kind of show themselves. And I love the fact that they wear their MAGA hats. Like, I love it. Because like, oh, I see you coming now. I know what you stand for. And I ain't mad about it because before they ain't had nothing, they could disguise themselves, just walk on, you know, throw an Adidas hat on and be good. Now they probably front with their MAGA hat, and if and they know what they are declaring because that's a big fu. When they throw that MAGA hat on, that's a big fu to us. 
I was in the yeah. museum. I took my kid to the Museum of African American History in D.C., right? We spent like three days there because it's like it's like six levels. It took us three days to get through the whole museum. So you go to the lunchroom and it's like good soul food, all kind of Caribbean stuff, like good stuff. And, you know, some little white kids come in there, well, you know, teenagers or whatever, with their MAGA hats just strutting. So why are you wearing a MAGA hat in this museum of African and African-American history? What is your point? It's a straight F you. Oh, I'm glad they did it. <clears throat> you in this sacred place, wow. people's nerves are raw because we're going through lynching exhibits, all this other kind of stuff, and they strutting around with it. Wow. Right? So I'm wow. glad, Miss J. I'm glad because we see we see him now. So yeah, we gotta we gotta get Trump props for that because it made he may be in racist cool again. Wow. I am so I don't know how that trip would I would have been so offended. Like, yeah, I'ma just let that one go. They were children, wow. so we'll, we'll move on. But yeah, that was very yeah, that's very disrespectful. Yeah, they did learn it from somewhere, but not all kids nowadays are with this whole, you know, situation. I've been watching videos um, on uh, TikTok, Instagram, um, you know, white kids with racist parents and the kids telling their parents like, okay, this is not it. Like, you should not be this way. You taught me to love. And if I'm going to love everyone, I'm going to love everyone. I'm not going to pick and choose because of someone's skin color. And I love it. I love watching them, the kids, you know, giving their parents, you know, run for the money. And some of them, Karens and Kins, telling you, okay, well, if you're not going to live by my roots, you can get out. And one girl, she stormed up the steps and said, okay, why well, not here? Back in the house, you go, girl. I don't know where she was going to go. It was kind of what? children's services, but yeah, she was packing her stuff to leave. She said, "I'm not going to live in this house with these racist people." And I, I blame her. She, the little girl was very upset. And she was ashamed, you know. So I love it, you know. And it's the older generation. I just, if right. you don't know by now that you know people are people. It doesn't matter what color you are. You have great people in all races. You have bad people in all races. Like, just, you shouldn't see skin color. Skin color does not matter, you know? So people just need to so, grow up. What we see a lot of happening now, to your point, um, we got different races who are in, in close proximity with each other now in ways that they never were before, right? Because they were mm -hmm. so segregated, so isolated. And so when we play sports together and enjoying music together and we starting to, uh, you know, to share culture, all of a sudden they're learning that some of the things that they had heard or had been taught or had seen on TV doesn't square with their reality, right? It's funny, I give a talk when, at this one private school, exclusive little private school in Buckhead here. That's where like when my kid went to school, um, and I give a talk to the kids, it's predominantly white kids, and I ask them about stereotypes, right? Um, and it's funny because the stereotypes and stuff that they've heard and seen on TV, once I put it on the board, all the stuff they, they know about black men or whatever, I start mm -hmm. to ask them, well, think about the black boys and men that y'all know. Does it square with anything that you actually know in your life? And it's like, nah, so there's this cognitive dis dissonance, there's a disconnect, because the stuff that they see on TV and have heard from other people, they realize in their day-to-day -day life, they love their homeboys. You know, the brothers that's in their class, that's who's teaching them how to do, you know, the, the floss and all that stuff, right? They loving that stuff, right? Right. And so now, we're, and so what's happening now, they're realizing like, yo, a lot of the stuff that has been out there um, is not valid. It's not legit. And they're starting to push back, right? And so that gives me hope because I do see a younger generation who is now leaning on their lived experiences and saying, yo, this is, this is real over here. You know, and they're starting to reject some of that nonsense. 
Now, don't mm-hmm. get it twisted, though. There are still some young folks. Remember, the people that marched in, Charlotte, in, in Charlottesville were young folks. So there are still some young folks, right? Right. Jews will not replace us marching around with the tiki torches and their khaki pants, right? Right, mm-hmm. So we do still have some young folks who are buying into that. But I agree with you, Ms. J. Overwhelmingly, there is this push of young people who are more multi-ethnic in their relationships and their friendships and in their doing. Um, and they don't have the same kind of xenophobic, you know, uh, their fears of other people. And so as a result, you start to see coalitions come. And, they, and when you look out like what happened last summer, there was a whole lot of white folk out there. I got tons and tons of pictures from like the Atlanta, you know, demonstrations. There's a whole lot of white folk out there putting their blood on the line for our call. So that gives me, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree mm-hmm. with you. We're we in an era where, yeah, there's, there's an opportunity. But it makes some people scared. Don't get it twisted now. It makes some people scared. They don't like seeing Ken hanging out with Raheem. They don't like that. Right. <laughs> makes them nervous, you know. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, what's yeah. going on, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that's what we got to watch out for. But you're right. I think I think the tide is turning. And that keeps me hope, that keeps me hopeful. Keeps me optimistic, you know. But 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 see, that's the funny thing. Because I, I thought the tide was turning during our generation when we mm-hmm. was growing up. That's right, what I thought right. was turning. But when you look at this year, I'm like, nothing turned. It's like, did everything turn itself back? You know, right. because right. the parents now that are out there teaching this rhetoric would be our age. And sure, I'm like, sure. what happened? They just knew you know? how to fake. You, that they were faking. That's what we were just talking about. That's why we were thanking Trump for exposing the fakers. They had been faking during your generation. They were faking it until they made it. They they had to. We were useful for something. They had they you know mm. they had to be quiet. And and so they when Trump got into office, they were like oh. Well, we really don't need them because sure. we're killing them on TV. <laughs> like sure. nothing's happening, sure. so they had no use for us anymore, and they felt comfortable. Oh, now they could expose themselves. So that's why you didn't you thought, but no, no. They and was so just- there's another thing. Half like when we came, when we went through school, we were part of that first generation that got you know bust across town, desegregation, et cetera, right? And so we formed some some good relationships you know, with, with white kids, right? Um, but you gotta also understand the framework of white supremacy and the way system, systemic racism works. Even though we were friends, this society privileges and rewards white people, right? So as we come of age and we start to compete for jobs, compete for opportunities, they don't wanna take a loss to us just because we were in the same locker rooms with them. If we both competing for the same job and there's an opportunity for them, for them to be advantaged, because of white supremacy, you think that they're going to choose to defer or ignore or give up that privilege on our behalf? The, nah, the love ain't that deep. You know what I'm saying? What, what Chris Brown say, them hoes ain't loyal, right? So it's, it's, that, same kind of, it's that same kind of mindset. Um, so, and, and that's what's happening. So we can come through and have these great relationships, but until we start to pick away at some of the white supremacist advantages that they enjoy, they're always going to feel like there's a threat they feel like your advancement, Miss J, is a threat to their their being. When it's like you ain't trying to take nothing from them, you're just trying to get yours, right? right. But they kind of feel like for Miss J to come up, I got to take a loss, and that kind of compounds the situation and makes it more difficult for them to um, be okay with us competing on equal equal level, right? It, it's the same thing going back to like voter suppression. 
If you got a good idea and I got a competing idea, let's put it out there in the marketplace for the voters to decide. But if you realize that your idea is a losing one, now you got to cheat. Now you got to suppress votes, right? Because you got you to gotta ensconce your power. You understand? If you got a good idea, hey, if you got a good idea, just put it out there. Let the voters decide what you're worried about. But they got to protect their privilege. And I think that's kind of what happens. That's, even though we cool when it comes to them giving up privilege, nah, bruh. It takes time. Wow. It takes time. It goes in a zigzag. It ain't no straight line. Obama used to say that that progress is not a straight line. That you know is right. zigs and zags, uh, which is why we got to keep fighting, man. Mm-hmm. We will. I think that we are getting stronger um, as a community. I think we're getting stronger as a nation. I think people are tired. I think it's just not. I think it's. I'm not happy that people are, are tired, but I'm glad that yeah. we are tired together now. White people are tired with us now. You know, Chinese people were like, we're tired together. Like, okay, this, enough is enough. Like, can we just live, you know? Right, right. So I think people are getting into um, a place now where they just want to, you know, peace and to be happy and all this race stuff, just leave it alone. If you can't tell, like, everything is mixing, you know? Um, White people are into rap music. Black people are into country music. Like you know what I'm saying? They're no, just making no, it into no, yes, yes, no, yes, yes, no, no, yes, no, no. Yes, Kane Brown. Kane Brown think he's white. Right. So, so, so half you don't like Darius Rucker? Thank you. Because you used to be a big Hootie and the Blowfish fan. Stop playing. <laughs> oh, but that was he, 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 was was he was on turn the dogs away from country. Stop playing. <laughs> oh, he, was he, he was alternative then. No, no, alternative. He done told your secrets. You better not never say anything about me and my country music anymore. You ought to be ashamed. Charlie Pride. No Charlie, Pride like, Charlie Pride. I mean, that's yeah. her. That's her dude. Charlie Pride. That's her dude. But that just shows you. That just shows you how long we've been in this country game. <laughs> Yeah. So Please. you know, I didn't know you liked country. Oh, I don't you. like. Oh, you would never. You would never, ever, 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 ever tell about all the ghost that country music going. Anyway, my point was, you know, everybody's into everybody's culture and stuff now. It's just, you know, their likes and we're mingling. Okay, that's my point. We're blending. We're blending. Okay, we're like the, the melting blended pot now. So I think I love it. It's cool. It's a, a good thing. So moving on. So what else did Trump do in his four years that was awesome other than bring out the, all the racist people to the yard? Do you do anything else great? We want to thank him for. Yeah, I think I think he also um, brought to bear how fragile our society is when it comes to uh, proper functioning um, and leadership. This COVID piece is serious. This COVID piece is serious, right? And I think he underscores like I I have to do it with my staff, you know. Um, Speed of the leader, speed of the crew. That's what I always tell my staff. Speed of the leader, speed of the crew. So when you have someone in that office who denies COVID, who denies the science, who denies climate change, who denies, when you have someone like that and then people buy in and believe it, it's no wonder that we have this pandemic 
just accelerating at a rapid clip, right? So one thing that I'm very thankful for, Trump really demonstrates the power of failed leadership. Because had he got in front of it and said, hey, look here, America, we're about to face this some serious stuff right here. Here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to go on a mask up, y'all. We're going do you know how many people, think of 74 million people voted for him. Had Trump on day one got up and thrown a mask on, do you know how many people would have jumped in line? You know how many people would have followed that? Do you know what that would have done to the curve? So he's a perfect example of failed leadership and ergo an example of what can happen with good leadership. And I'm thankful for that. I'm really mm-hmm. thankful. It also underscores the power of the presidency. A lot of times we dismiss that, but the presidency is powerful because it's a symbol. It's about leadership. Had Trump mm-hmm. got up there every day and reassured us, we're going to be okay, but we're going to have to do this. Do you realize where we could be? Right. I'm thankful for that. Mm. Because this is teaching me how to be a more effective leader for my folks. I realize speed of the leader, speed of the crew, right? Yeah. If yes, I wanted sir. to do something, I, I, I can't soft pillar. I can't lie to them. I got to straight up tell them, like, here's what's up, right? If I'm going to mm-hmm. break them to a higher pasture. So I, I, I appreciate Trump for doing that because he's a textbook example of failed leadership. <laughs> no, no, he is. He is. Last well, week, well, last well, week you, was another example. Last week. Go, go ahead, Hef, because I, I want to get to last week. Go, go ahead, Hef. No, no, you, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. So, so last week, failed leadership. Speed of leader, speed of the crew. So last week, he up there, last Wednesday, talking about we going to march down to the Capitol. And I'm going to be there with you. We, right? Meanwhile, they down there, watching to the chapel. He's sitting in a fortified mansion watching it on TV. Now, think about our civil rights leaders. We going to march. Got the king right in front. Say what you want to about Al Sharpton. He right in front. He's leading the march, right? The we is for real. That's real leadership. He's hiding. People losing their jobs. And we talking about people who don't have great jobs in the first place. People losing their jobs. Now they on video, you know, all in the Capitol. They lose their job. He's not coming to their defense. It's a perfect example of failed leadership. Somebody gets up there, whips you into a frenzy, claims he going to be with you, and he watching from afar and ain't got nothing for you. That's failed leadership. That's failed. Speed of the leader, speed of the crew. If you was a real man, you'd have stepped out from that from the White House and jumped to the Capitol your daggone self. <laughs> Dim your folks. Dim your folks. How you sitting back with your feet up watching on TV? What? I mean, speed of the leader, speed of the crew. And so I think that's a great example of failed leadership. And, I, and I'm glad he's showing, he's also showing how much he don't love people. Understand, Dr. King took a bullet for folks. Al Sharpton got yeah. his head for folks. Jesse got beat yeah. upside the head for folks. You know what I'm saying? John Lewis, uh, we love him down here, got beat upside the head for folks. You know what I'm saying? Trump uh. would never sacrifice. When, when has he ever sacrificed on anyone else's behalf? Everything that is done, everything that he asked for is in service to him. Think about it. He's never done anything in service to other people. The people that he's supposed to lead, the people that he's supposed to lead, he don't sacrifice for them. He don't put himself on the line for them. He's not willing to risk anything for them. But he demands that they show their love. People have lost their jobs for him. Y'all just mm. selfish. He sacrificed like nine holes of golf to take calls on behalf of this country. And y'all would appreciate that. Okay, he had nine more holes of golf than phone calls he was taking. Stop it. You know, he sacrificed. <laughs> but that's, that's the sad part about leadership, though. Go ahead, Hal. <laughs> no, when you got you got OJ Simpson, 
OJ's been quiet for a little bit. OJ Simpson came out. He did a little tweet, a uh, video tweet, and was talking about Trump, talking about that's not leadership. And he, he brought up the John, the John Lewis's. He brought up the, the Dr. King's. He said, these leaders led. They was in front. I'm like, mm-hmm. is OJ talking? Is OJ talking? Sure. Like, okay, OJ, <laughs> talk your stuff. Yes. You know, Stop. OJ, go get a knife. Yeah. Chill out. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, did I say that? Jay's on 10, ain't she? I didn't even see, say that. She, she's, she's messy. He didn't do I, it. If you don't fit, he must, must quit. He killed her. Anyway, um, that's that's what you're talking about a Karen. That's a perfect example of like a Karen situation because you know how many real talk, you know how many black women have suffered domestic abuse at the hands of, of their husbands, and you don't see the whole nation gripped on their behalf. But this blonde, this pretty blonde woman gets killed. And it was gruesome. And, you know, I understand the celebrity factor, but you realize how just engrossed the whole nation was on her behalf? Sisters don't mm-hmm. get that kind of deference. No. Karen right there. No. The power of a Karen. No. And rest her soul now. Because, you know, yeah. I, I, don't want that, I don't want ill to become of anybody. You know what I'm saying? But it's just amazing because with all the sisters, you, sisters never get that kind of deference. Mm-hmm. No. No, they don't. That's yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I just started. I got depressed. Anyway, okay. All right, yeah, yeah. Flip it. Let's go ahead, flip it. So, Hef, would you like to go ahead and thank your um, president for anything before he leaves office? No, just leave. I'm good. You know, <laughs> just, just, just leave. Okay. Oh, I got one more question. I got. I, okay, I got this yeah. question. Um, he has another speaking event um, um, in the next day or two, something like that. Uh-huh. Do you think he should be allowed to speak someplace else? <laughs> I don't think that fool should ever have been allowed to speak. I mean, I don't think he should ever have been allowed to speak. Um, nah, I don't. I yeah, don't. He, got, he, has, he has another speaking event happening this week. Yeah, yeah. I don't because he's reckless and Ever since Wednesday, everything he said has either exacerbated the situation um, or has the potential to exacerbate the situation. So I don't think so. I think he's unhinged. I think he really is dangerous. And I think there's enough people who are waiting for um, some marching orders from him um, that and he knows it. I think that he could incite even more uh, destruction. So, no, nah, I, I wish <laughs> I wish there was a way to mute him. Um, I wish people would, you know figure out a way to, you know, uh, cancel some events or put the kibosh on some of these activities. But right now is the most dangerous time. Uh, Ms. Jay talked about somebody being cornered. I mean, when he realized he's on the way out the door and then he's got all these lawsuits waiting on him, he's over $300 million in debt and he's got no way to handle that kind of situation. This is a cornered man and there's no telling what might come out of his mouth. I, I worry. I worry. And you got so people still aggrieved. Yeah. Where is this event supposed to be held at? Where is he supposed to have this speech? I'm not sure. I forget where he's speaking. Um, I forget. Let let me let me search that real quick. It's supposed to um, <clears throat> he's supposed to be talking about now about this this the COVID and okay. getting the vaccination. Um, okay, but. It's in one of these little small towns. It's, 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 again, it's in one of these little okay. small towns again. 
Um, okay. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know he was down there talking about the wall. He, he was down there in Texas talking about the wall today. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, you, you know something? I'm sorry. Thank you for your correction. That's the one right there. Texas. Yeah, the wall. Yeah. That I just looked yeah. it up. Texas wall. Yeah. Another so, one yeah, is live. Was, right? Another one is live. We're going to build a wall and Mexico going to pay for it. So meanwhile, to pay for his vanity project, he moves money from the Defense Department to help pay for it. Another one is live. But yeah, I know today he was down there touting his, his wall. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but why? So about the you wall, know, can we take the wall down when he gets out of what, What's up with this wall? Like, can Biden and them say, okay, stop the construction of the wall and what's already been construction, tear it down? They, they can, but they're unlikely to do it because there's a lot of federal contracts uh, and contractors who basically, you know, there are a lot of contractors who have these agreements to produce, uh, to continue the wall. And so if he were to stop construction before fulfilling some of those contracts, there'd be a ton of litigation because people are like, yo, you know, we got a contract here and I'm, I'm down here, I'm doing my work. You got to either pay me, you know, for it or I'm going to sue or whatever. So. I think there's probably going to be a stopping point, but I but I'm sure I'm sure that all the uh, contracts that are currently in place, he's got to honor those. So okay. and I, and I don't think that he would dismantle it because I think that would be cost prohibitive. Uh, the problem is uh, a portion of the, most of the wall. I can't say most of it, but a portion of the wall doesn't even work. It's not even effective, right? And they still have a lot of other agreements because they're putting the wall on people's private properties who disagree with that. So there's all these sovereign immunity kind of clauses. Um, and eminent domain conversations. So a lot of that stuff can't even happen. But uh, to answer your question, I don't think he can easily just stop it because he has to honor the contracts, which is a mess. Because Trump, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we're going to be untangling once Trump leaves the office. There's a lot of stuff we're still going to have to kind of dust off and figure out once he's done. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my last question to you. Yeah, Do bro. you think... Do you think he should be impeached? Or uh, do you think he should just go ahead and resign? You know, <clears throat> what do you think? Should he be impeached yes again? And yes. So if your ultimate question is, should he be removed from office? Absolutely. Will he be removed from office? Nah, he's not. He's gonna serve out this amount of time. The reason but the reason I think he should be impeached or should resign or at least be censured is because last Wednesday, he fomented serious dissent. Last Wednesday, he incited a riot, right? And I think everybody can agree that he contributed, he contributed to the drama that took place in the Capitol. And so when you do something wrong, there's consequences. And what bothers me is that it appears he is going to be able to get off without consequence. And so that's why I think, yeah, he should be impeached or he should resign or he should at least be censured because you have to have some kind of consequence for the drama you done caused. But the reality is, the reality is life ain't fair and it's very likely nothing will be done about it. All these people quitting from his cabinet, it's two weeks left, what you doing? Whatever, you know what I'm saying? If you really had principle, you would have quit in year one or better yet, you wouldn't have taken the job because you knew who he was when you signed up for it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so life ain't fair. It is what it is. To answer your question. Yeah, he should be impeached. Yeah, he should resign. He should be censored. All that stuff. Absolutely. Will he be? No, I doubt it. 
And I think it's a poor lesson. I got a, I got a kid who turns 21 on Saturday and we talk about consequences. If you do this, this is likely to happen. You understand? And it's a shame that a grown man sitting in the White House can do that kind of stuff without consequence. It sends a very clear message that powerful people, especially if you're white and male, you can get away with murder, almost literally. Right. Well, happy early wow. birthday to your your child. So <laughs> yeah, that joker, that joker. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I'll pass the law. That joker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. What do y'all think? Do y'all think he should be impeached or resign, or what do y'all think? I, I I think he should have been. I think he should have been arrested, put in jail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he should be impeached. I think that um, he did such a bad job with his presidency that it needs to be on record. You know, it needs to be, he needs to go down in history as the impeached president, the one that tried to bring down the nation. You know, most definitely. Yes, so most most definitely. Impeachment, do I think it's gonna happen? Like you know, it's not, um, not going to happen, but I do, I hope he does not get a chance to speak anymore um, until Biden takes office because I think that he is going to try to, uh, you know, do something. I'm not sure what. I just don't trust him. Yeah. So yeah. it's best that he stays off of the airwaves. And if he does some sort of speech, I don't think anybody should watch. You know, I just don't I think that people should let him know that he's still commanding that much attention, that people care enough. You know. So but. some networks are not are they decided not to air some of his speeches because they know it is so inflammatory. Um, one other benefit, Hef, if he can be impeached, uh, it's like the third piece of it. Certainly, it bruises ego to be a two-times impeached president. That that bruises ego for sure. But another another thing that could happen, and one thing that I would like, um, is there's a there's a third part of, him, of of a potential impeachment which would prohibit him from being able to run for federal office again. And depending on how things go, rest assured he'll try to come back in 2024 right to run again and if he's impeached again and that third clause is kicked in it is very possible possible to prohibit him so we you know from, from running so that's another reason why i would yeah. like to see him peace so that he could like be done that or we can just wait for new york to do their thing because they get ready to take him to court as soon as he leaves office yeah. and he could line up oh, yeah. line up in jail yeah so that's just that, that, that attorney that attorney general up there she's not playing she's waiting for him to come out oh yeah she, oh yeah, yeah. wait she waiting. oh good so, yeah yeah yeah. Don't let us down, girl. Don't let us down. <laughs> you know, sisters, sisters lead the way. Stacey Abrams, I mean, sisters lead the way. You know, I love the squad, man. Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib, Ilham Omar, AOC. I love the squad. Sisters lead the way, like, for real. And that's what <laughs> guys like Trump, hey. <laughs> the, new, the new sister from Ferguson who just made it in. She's, she's the truth. Like, sisters lead the way. And I think that if we're going to turn this thing around, we're going to have to lean on sisters. The reason why Georgia flipped and we got these two senators is all because of the work of black women. All because yeah. name, um, Crystal Fleming, she wrote a book called How to Be Less Stupid About Race. And one chapter is titled, Listen to Black Women. <laughs> it's like, if you really want to make some progress, listen to black women. Yeah. And I think she's right. <laughs> I think she's right. <laughs> if we want to get out of this mess, listen. listen to the sisters. To the sisters, yes. Like real talk, and I'm not pandering. That's real talk. Look at it. Georgia flipped because of black women. Real talk. Uh, yes. Biden's wow. in office because them AKAs went out there on the stroll. Let's be real. Them Deltas got witty. You understand? The yes. beta, they the five beta. They got witty. You know what I'm saying? 
sisters, man. Sisters lead the way. They was not playing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's the beautiful thing about Trump because Trump done made sisters, you know, take their earrings off, take their heels off, and get with it. Trump done made sisters get mad. So that's a beautiful thing. So let's thank Trump for that. Yes. Thank you, Trump. Awesome. We truly wow. appreciate you coming on the show and chatting with us. And Certainly. you you enlightened me a lot. I learned a lot. I, I appreciate that because I love I'm like a sponge. I love learning new things. So this was very refreshing. Thank, Thank you for the conversation. And thanks yeah. for what y'all doing because for y'all to have these kinds of conversations, and I'm glad you have an ongoing series, you know, every time, you know, uh KRS one called it edutainment, right? Mm-hmm. For y'all doing this work we talk about reaching so many different people and the fact that you guys are regularly having this kind of engagement with folks. This is the kind of stuff that changes, that changes the community. This is what empowers us. So thank y'all. y'all, y'all do. Thank y'all. Big ups, big ups for real. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. That means a lot. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. He wasn't really right. talking to you too much. He was more talking about me. Oh, anyway, welcome, boy. Thank you so much again for your time. You and your family stay safe and stay well. You make sure you do something nice for your for your first son's birthday. My nephew will be twenty. Oh, where did the time go? Twenty-one, wow. Shelly. Twenty-one. Like, wow. And just gave him a car 21? for Christmas, so you know he's fully oh. grown now. Oh yes, we're grown. Senior in college? Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's right. amazing. Wow. Okay. Right. Send, yeah, tell, tell him, I'm gonna send him. Um, I, I'm gonna uh, send you some. Uh, I gotta send him his first bottle of Crown. You know, like oh. such black people, such black people. <laughs> his first bottle of Crown. And the thing is, he would gladly accept it. I know. <laughs> like your, your uncle Hef sent you this, and then he just take it to the head. Nah, slow down, shut <laughs> Oh my God. Anyway, much love, y'all. Much love. I really appreciate y'all doing this, man. All right, fam. All right. Thank, Thank you, you for watching Ellie Radio well. TV. And we are. All right. Yeah, thanks. All right.